0: Well, I don't know if you've noticed carefully the words of that song, and I say this often that we ought to pay really close attention to the words of the song that we sing, because for the child of God, this song is a prayer. It is a prayer. And isn't it amazing that we've all just prayed this prayer together? We've all lifted this single prayer to the Lord together this morning. That makes chills go up my spine. I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. You know, if you wanted to pray for yourself, you was a home alone, and you didn't know how to pray for yourself, These songs teach us that. Now, I don't believe that songs were inspired like the Bible is inspired. But I do believe there have been people who penned words of a song that was flowing right from their heart and their soul. And they personally was experiencing that. Oh, if we just paid close attention. Sometimes I think we just... Go through the words, or we're wandering around and looking at everybody else and stuff like that. This is what worship is about, Ricky, I think, well, where do you go he's <laughs> well, he's part of the security team, and i'm i I could just really lay it on him, but I want him not here to hear well, maybe he does. they put a They put a thing in their ear and they're listening to the message and everything. So I just was inspired or tempted to just have us all sing that song again with that on our mind and our heart, singing it to the Lord. Did you know that the Lord, of course he's promised that where we're gathered together he's here. I think that's an awesome thought, that he's here, and he is. You might think, well, preacher, I come to church all the time, I ain't never sensed that. Well, boy, you better be finding out why. He's with us. And Jesus said in John chapter 4, that we're to worship him in spirit and in truth, and that the Lord seeketh such to worship him. So he's here, what is he looking for? He's looking on all our hearts, right? He's looking on our hearts. And I'll just share with you a prayer that I have for myself all the time. Lord, you have to teach me how to worship you in a way that's pleasing in your sight. And so I need that. I would challenge you everybody with that thought this morning too. We need that. You know, some of our folks wouldn't lay out a church if they ever understood that. That they come here and the Lord's here and He's looking, seeking. He's looking on everybody's heart, seeking those who would worship Him in spirit and in truth. Well, I got carried away with that. But uh, I've had my mind on a verse of Scripture for a month or two. And of course, I've been preaching on the subject of... um, divine providence, its extent, and its impact. Now, I ended that series last Sunday morning, even though from now until the Lord comes back again or I die, you all run me off. (laughs) And you might do it. I have never been run off yet, but it could happen. But I'm going to be preaching about divine providence. It's in all the sermons and it's in all the word of God, divine providence. And I want to say this, that the primary thing that way it ought to impact us, the reason I included that term in it, its extent, because I think most people are surprised at its extent I know that anybody hadn't given much thought about that would have been, in that series, surprised with the extent of that. And boy, it comes out. It comes out of the scripture. But the impact is what it should do for us. And I want to just say this about that series. The greatest impact it's been on me is that I trust Him. With all my heart and soul. I trust Him. I really do. I'm not a fearful Christian. Why should I fear? I believe that my whole life and being is in His hand. I know that's true. And I I would encourage you, if you've not given much thought to that, series, by the way, I'd say this, I started it with in Matthew chapter 10 about there's never a sparrow that falls to the ground, without he's involved in that, and the hairs of your head are numbered, not counted, but numbered like all the stars in the universe. We serve such an awesome God, and he's worthy of all of our praise he's worthy of all of our our worship and the greatest impact has been on me i trust him i trust him with everything oh i've been anxious at times in my life i even have been close to worrying <laughs> I'm human, we all are. I've been close to just worrying and fretting. And worry is a sin when it uh, expresses lack of faith and trust in our Lord. You just remember that. You remember that. So I hate to end that series and I want to just tell you this about it. We have a member, I'm not going to divulge who that is, But we have a member that was so impressed with the very beginning of that, which was in January. I preached on that every Sunday morning for almost a year. So moved by that thought that she went back and listened to the message and she started taking notes And she kept going back every single message, I guess every message, I'm assuming that, and listened to them all over again and created a notebook. And the last word that I got related to that notebook, that person was using that notebook to witness to somebody. You know the best way to witness? What God has done for me. <laughs> uh, you can't tell nobody nothing about the Lord if He's not done great, wonderful things for you. And that person is has been and continues to be in the process of witnessing that to that person who needs the Lord really bad in their life. With her notebook, her notebook. I've seen a picture of it. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Well, praise the Lord. I hate to end it, but I've I've ended it, but you can be sure I'll be making references as I have done for over 40 years now from the pulpit about how awesome my God is. And that's the motivation for, for preaching. I'd have to just shut this Bible and step down and quit if it was not for how the Lord blesses me Every day. Well, I want you to turn to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Turn there in your Bible. Get your pencil in your hand and your piece of paper, like Brother Jim does. If you want to know how to do it, just watch Brother Jim. He brings a notebook to church every service. He's got a notebook every single service. He's like the one who, who made a notebook of all the messages on divine providence. I tell you what, it, it's a, he's done it for years and years. It's probably a sight what he has in that notebook. But I always, and I'm not encouraging you doing things I don't do. But if I go somewhere, I'm somewhere in the preaching is taking place. I have. A pad in my Bible and a pencil in case I don't have it in my pocket. And I'm always taking notes. And here's why I do it. I'm liable to hear something that would change my life forever. You mean preacher, that's possible? (laughs) Not that it's coming from me, but the Lord's speaking through me or through his word. And you know, every once in a while I pray, Lord, bless us all that we leave this place never to be able to be the same again. That's my prayer for myself, for myself. And uh, you might say, well, preacher, when you preach, you already know what you... No, sometimes it just surprises me what I say. And I know the Lord is helping me with that. Chapter 2, chapter 2, and I'm going to start this morning... This will probably be sermon number one on this subject, but I'm just going to read verse 14. Uh, I'll probably include more that's in that passage of Scripture. It's a very familiar one. It is one that I've read in your hearing many, many times. It's one that I've uh, contemplated. It's one that I've meditated on so many times over the years. It's an awesome text. And the whole text runs from verse 11 through verse 14. Now I'm going to read verse 14 to start off. And verse 14 says this, When it starts with the word who, and may the Lord bless His word as He sees fit this morning. When it says who, it's talking about Jesus Christ. It's talking about, that's the last two words Of the previous verse. And it says. Who gave himself for us. Who gave himself for us. That he might redeem us from all iniquity. And purify unto himself. A peculiar people. Zealous of good works. Zealous of good works. Lord help us this morning. To see these things that are in this single verse of scripture that I know will bless all of our hearts, would answer most theological questions and help us to know that you've got it all in control. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now I want to start from this passage of scripture. The title of the message would be in the form of a question. Who are the us? The first part of that verse says, Who gave himself for us? Who are the us? Who are the us? Some might say, Well, it's everybody in the world. No, it's not. Now, that's what I'm going to say to begin with. It is not everybody. Us is a particular, peculiar group of people who exist, who have certain marks that identify them by this verse of Scripture. Did you know that? They are identified. Now, I want want to start out by saying this about this verse. I have to include verse 11 to point this out. In verse number 11, it tells us this, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us. Preacher, I didn't know grace taught nobody. You hear me preach it all the time. Grace is effectual. God's grace is powerful. God's grace changes people. God's grace makes His people who He wants them to be. Now listen to this. We would know this from the very beginning by that. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, that we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. And I want to tell you, it ought to come to my mind when I first read that, that the Lord's in the process of doing something in this world. Not only when I ask the question, who are the us? You know there's something in this verse that I think is unique. There are two recipients of the activity that's described here. Note that. Two. First of all, is the us. But I want to remind you all of something this morning. We all look at the doctrine of salvation as how, I, how it relates to Me. You know, a long time ago when I was a young fellow and I didn't know very much of the Bible, but I'd been taught well. I had been taught by godly Sunday school teachers, parents and grandparents and preachers as a young lad. And I want you to know the first thought that I can ever remember coming to my mind. I don't want to go to hell when I leave this world. Salvation initially was all about me. I never give any consideration initially about what else salvation might be doing because it's not only from my perspective, but it's from the Lord's view. I want to remind you that it not only talks about us, but it talks here about re- purifying, listen to this, unto Himself. Oh, you mean that the doctrine of salvation has something to do with what the Lord is doing? And unto himself, that's exactly right. So it's not just about the us in the passage of scripture, but it's about what the Lord is doing. And when we read verse 11 and verse 12 of this passage of scripture, it ought to be pretty obvious that grace is in the process of doing something. It's been in the process of doing something all along. I want to tell you all something, one of these days, life as we know it on this earth is going to come to an end, it will cease to be, and then we will enter into what we know of as eternity, which will go on forever and forever and forever, and will never cease, forever and ever, and how many of us have wondered what uh, my experience is going to be all out in eternity? Oh, over the years I've been asked so many questions. Brother Moore, I'm sure you have too. About what it's going to be like in eternity. And uh, we are surprised to find out that there is very little revealed to us about what our experience is going to be forever forever and forever and forever and forever and forever. Never ending forever. You know that's in this verse. Because one of these days, there's going to be a group of (laughs) us's, if I could say it that way. And I want to tell you all something. I believe in the sovereignty of Almighty God, and He's been in the process all along of making a special people for Himself. You all have heard me make reference to that passage of Scripture where Jesus prayed uh, the it was the Lord's Prayer in John chapter 17. Uh, what we call the Lord's Prayer is really the model prayer, teaching us how to pray, Our Father which art in heaven. But I want to tell you His intercessory prayer is found in John chapter 17. And in that 24th verse, and I've used it for a text for funerals so many times, Jesus said, I will that they whom thou hast given me be with me where I am that they may be whole my glory. I've preached this in a funeral and I've said we don't know what our experience is going to be fully and completely when we die and leave this world. But buddy, I'll tell you what, I, I, this is how I feel about that. I don't need to know anything else as long as I know I'm going to be with Him. If I'm going to be with Him, if He loved me enough to take upon Himself the penalty of all my sin and pay that price and pay it in full for me, for I'm going to be us. For me, I don't have any concern about what eternity is going to be like because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? So do what? The hallelujah. The hallelujah is right. That, that's it. Uh, Jesus told his disciples they was all fretting about the fact that he'd revealed to them in John uh, chapter 13 that he was going to have to leave them. That's why he said in 14.1, let not your hearts be troubled. How many of you like that statement? You know, the Lord said that to me. I don't know if He said it to you or not, but He said it to me. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then He began to tell them that in the Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you. How? Unto Myself. So this verse talks about that period of time that we don't know a whole lot about out there, but we sure got faith and we sure got trust and everything's all right. Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Sue told me one time about a little boy that she had in class when she was working with Head Start. And she'd get so close to those little kids and and I mean so close, bless her heart. And she said there was this one little boy that every time something happened that he didn't understand, he'd say, it'll be all right, Miss Thomas, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. And she told me about that little boy, you know. he If he was anxious about uh, anything, anxious about anything, that's what he would say. It'll be all right, Miss Thomas, it'll be all right. Well, he'd had people tell him that, I'm sure, to assure him and take care of him, but he trusted her and she'd say, Yes, it's gonna be all right. It's gonna be it's gonna be all right. And so she told that story and now ever since that it's been many years ago, but ever since that, you know, she'll say something about something and I'll say, Now it'll be all right, Miss Thomas, it'll be all right (laughs) and she'll say that to me and everything. But you know, that's what it's like in our personal relationship and walk with Jesus Christ. Folks, i got news for you. If you know Him as your personal Savior and walking with Him, it'll be all right. Man, that would have been a good title for a sermon, wouldn't it, to use that? But it's true. It's true. Just He told His disciples, Don't you let your hearts be troubled. Why would they not be troubled? You believe is the answer to that. You believe. You believe. So in this verse of scripture, there uh, every once in a while there's a text that's unique, and, and you know when I run run across some in the in the Bible, I I don't have any in mind to use as illustration, but every once in a while there'll be a text. It may be two or three verses, or it may be one verse that seems to just gather all eternity together and sum it up in one statement you know this is one of them he come to redeem us from all iniquity and purifying to himself a peculiar people treasured valued possession zealous of good works preacher are you telling me there's something that will guarantee a zeal for God a zeal for good works I'm telling you, I love to preach about God's grace. And as a matter of fact, I'll just take you to a passage that I've read in your hearing many times, 1 Corinthians in the 15th chapter. I, I love this. You know, one of these days I'm going to do a series of sermons on all of the wonderful texts that will just bless your heart and change your life forever. And in this chapter, the Apostle Paul is talking, now listen to this, in the ninth verse, he says, for I am the least of the apostles. What do we know about him from that statement? We know he was a humble man. Folks, let me tell you something, you want to get anything from the Lord? The Lord blesses the humble, did you know that? Ladies and gentlemen, he blesses the humble. God resisteth the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. Next time you feel proud, you just remember that. So Paul was a humble man. He said, I'm the least apostle. Actually, all of you that know the New Testament well, you would say, well, in my personal opinion, he probably was the greatest apostle of all. In my opinion, he would be. And in my opinion, he is. He wrote some 13 books of the New Testament. God used that man in a mighty, mighty way. And this side of Jesus Christ, who is it that God used more than anybody else? And he's used many down through the year, many years. But none quite like the great apostle Paul. And yet he says, I am the least of the apostles. He goes on to say, that I am not meet or worthy to be called an apostle. And he reflects on his life before God saved his unworthy soul. And he says, because I persecuted the church of God. You all know the story in Acts about his conversion experience. He was on his way to drag Christians. He was persecuting Christians. And he met Jesus on the, on the road to Damascus. Struck him down. Lord struck him down. Struck him blind. How did he become a humble man? I'm telling you, I know why he become a humble man. The Lord made him a humble man. And the Lord has a way, I'd remind you Christians, if you get lifted up in your pride, He has a way to make you humble. And we can thank Him for that. That's the effectual grace I'm preaching about. Then in verse 10, He said, But, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. And God's grace bestowed on anybody is never in vain. It's never in vain. You know why? Because it always accomplishes what God intended for it to accomplish. So you might say, well, the Lord ain't doing nothing in my life. You better be finding out why. You better be finding out why. He goes on, he says, but I labored more abundantly than they all, Yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. Do you all realize what he just said? He was saying, if there's anything about me, it's grace of God in me. God's grace is powerful. God's grace works. God's grace accomplishes his purpose in the lives of his people that he's preparing For all eternity now you can't help but this raise questions when we look at this verse am I one of them you remember what the title of the message was who are the us who are the us well I want to include one other text before we end this morning Uh, I know I've Use this one several times in your hearing too. But I think it's so powerful. It's in the book of 2 Peter. And I'd ask you to turn there. Who are the us? Who are the us? And it's in the third chapter of 2 Peter. And if I don't get to say anything more about that, I want you to leave this place today wondering about who are the us. You see, I'm going to identify him. Like it or not, I'm going to identify him. Now in this passage of scripture in Second Peter chapter three, and I've made reference to this several times, the ninth verse, let me read this ninth verse. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward. And here's the statement. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, that issue's come up several times because one time we had a Sunday school uh, lesson writer in our adult Sunday school class up here in the sanctuary who just kept making reference to this passage of Scripture and he kept doing it over and over. And I I told the teacher I was going to email him, I was going to have a good talk with him or whatever, and here's what he kept doing. He kept saying, God is not willing that any should perish, but that everybody should come to repentance. Did you know that's not what that passage says? Let me tell you, talking about God being willing, talking about the will of God, let me tell you something. That, that man didn't understand, and a whole lot of other people don't understand too, that they are insulting God with that view. I'm telling you this morning, whatever God wills happens. Don't you ever forget that. What God wills happens. And if God was not willing that any should perish, that would be nobody perish. Ever. That's not what this passage says. We ought to know better than that just from the very verse that I've just read. He said he's long-suffering to what? Usward. You remember the title of my message this morning? Who are the us? This is talking about us. And so you say, preacher, can I read this as saying, not willing that any of us that his, uh, uh, perish, but that all of us should come to repentance? That's the way you should read it. You should put the us in there because God did. He's done put it in there. The us. Who's he talking to? If you start in the first verse of chapter three, this second epistle, beloved, I write unto you. Who are, who is he talking to? He's talking to saved people. God's not willing that any person saved would ever perish. That's the wonderful news of that passage of scripture. In the second verse, he says that ye, he's talking about ye, be mindful of the words. On verse 8, he says, but beloved, be not ignorant. And in the opening verse of this whole book, this is what he says in chapter 1 and verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant of the apostle of Jesus Christ, who's he writing to? To them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Who's he writing to? He's writing to save people. And so when he says usward, I'll read that verse again. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is suffering to us. Not willing that any of us should perish, but that all of us should come to Him by way of repentance. is what He's saying in that passage of Scripture. So asking the question from our text, Who gave Himself for us. Now that was number one from the text. Sermon number one. And I pray that you will take that home with you, and that you would read that verse over and over And you would ask yourself the question, Am I one of the us? And be sure you don't miss sermon number two. Because I'm going to tell you who they are. And I'm going to tell you why they are what's described in this passage of scripture. Who are the us? Oh, some say, but Jesus died for everybody. This preacher don't believe that. This preacher believes, as John chapter 10 says, he died for the sheep. Father, thank you that we can meditate on this question. That we can wonder and ponder who you're talking about here. And I pray, oh God, that the things that we've thought about and learned this morning would burn in our hearts. And Lord, that we'd be anxious to know what the rest of this is about. Because it brings to you honor and praise and glory. You are our great Savior. You are our great Shepherd. And we love you. And we know we are the called according to your purpose. And so therefore, we know all things work together for good in our life. Even the bad works to good. And so, Father, bless us as we ponder on this verse and help us to answer that question, am I one of the us? And we'll give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name for his sake and his glory. And amen. And amen.